Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We're talking today about helping families through loss, and our second guest is Dr. Ken Druck. Dr. Ken Druck founded the Jenna Druck Foundation in 1996 following the tragic death of his daughter, Jenna. Through the creation of the foundation, Ken is fulfilling his mission to stand with families during their grief and continue Jenna's legacy of hope generations of future leaders. Welcome to the show, Ken. Good to be with you both. Oh, thanks, Ken. It's great to have you on. Well, before we get uh, started on all the things you've been doing, could you tell us a little bit about Jenna and uh, her life and, and what happened with her? Well, Jenna is quite simply... Um, my favorite person, she is my angel daughter, my earth daughter, Stephanie, and she are my favorite people in the universe. Um, Jenna was a kindred spirit. I know you're supposed to marry your kindred spirit, but uh, sometimes it's a child that's your kindred spirit, and in this case, it, uh, Jenna was mine. And uh, she came out, you know, suddenly appeared in this life, so wise, so loving, so enthusiastic. I've never known anybody to love life more or to use every minute of it um, to generate more love and enthusiasm and good things. Um, she was had a sense of social justice from the time she was a year old, and uh, she was a character and a half. And uh, what can I tell you? She was... A, I was a daddy, a daughter's daddy, and she was a daddy's girl, and um, and she was just uh, truly the light of my life. So when we look at you know things like this happening, those of us who stand in a position of having lost a child, and and uh, we look at you know what what could, what crueler fate could there be, and what. What more glorious fate could there be than to have the privilege of having a child like this in your life? And and uh, then we look at the, the, the curse side of the blessing, which is uh, how are we expected to live on after having probably the most intimate relationship we will have in our life? How are we supposed to live on and honor those we lose um, that are that close? Absolutely. Well, now, for our audience, I believe Jenna was in India uh, in a bus accident. Yeah, Jenna, Jenna uh, at age 21, um, said, Dad, I, I really, there's a great program. It's called Semester at Sea. I, want, I really want to go on this program. We stop at every continent. And she traveled uh, the world for several months on a ship. And they'd stop all over, and she'd call home, and I'd record her conversations telling me about Africa and uh, South South America. And she arrived in India and called home and uh, told me how excited she was going she was that she was going to be seeing the Taj Mahal, the the symbol of great, the greatest symbol on the planet of eternal love. And uh, sure enough, she went to the she took off to the Taj Mahal. And uh, they ended up overbooking a flight and putting 27 kids on the most treacherous road in the world mm. between uh, Delhi and Agra. And um, 
three other young women uh, uh, died. So I received the call in the middle of the night, uh, thinking my daughter was on the trip of a lifetime. I received the dreaded phone call that so many of us can relate to, um, and all at once in a state of disbelief and complete, complete belief that uh, that this this had actually happened, the unspeakable and unthinkable had happened. Oh, absolutely. Um, you you're kind of at the time you were kind of a uh, bigger than life guy, right? You'd written a book about um, men and secrets. Is that right? Uh, I, I you know I have my storied fifteen minutes of fame every couple of years. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and I'm wondering. I mean, I you, you were feeling I, pretty pretty in control of life, I assume, and well. Life was going pretty well, and I was on top of life. Uh, uh, life was gl- was just glorious, and Jenna was also on top of life. Jenna mm-hmm. often joined me on shows. I'd been on Oprah and the Time Donahue and CNN and on and on, and you know, and uh, traveled the world giving workshops. and And Jenna was very much a part of that, and was taking off on her own trajectory. So life was. Life, you know, just a week before Jenna's death, I was telling her mom that we were at a blessed point in life. This is the point that all, that people aspire to be, where your kids are beginning to get some traction in life, and uh, and uh, life just feels so good and so wonderful. And uh, and then boom, course, life has other plans for all of us. And. Uh, and then, and boom, can you tell us what, what for our audience out there who has just happened to, the guys out there, what happens? What happened? Well, what happens is that we we all assume that we've signed up for one thing. Um, I signed up for watching my daughter blossom and flourish and soar and, uh, and, and graduate college and go... You know, meet somebody wonderful. She had just met somebody wonderful, and and to start um, a, a career in law, and to start a relationship, and on and on. And we sign up for the full glory of of a whole lifetime lived, and uh, that's not what we get. Some of us, as history will record it, get something very different. Um, and what about heart, the shock of that? I mean, well, our hearts are torn you, out. Were you angry? Were you resolved? You know, how did how did you feel when you realized what life was had dealt you this? Uh, there's no, there's no way to express all the the emotion of of what we go through, which I I know you both understand all too well. There's no way to to express uh, the complexity of emotion. We, you know, suddenly. Our child's life has been lost to them. And, you know, we spend our whole lives as a saying, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. <laughs> um, you know, but what about if your child, has lo- their life has been lost to them? Suddenly we're cast into a spiritual crisis because depending on what we believe, uh, we might believe, for example, that um, we have a deal with God. Um, that you know we we are good people and we'll do the right things and our children will be protected and watched over and and so we might end up feeling betrayed. Right. I know, I, I, know I, I did. I assume you were angry. I mean, the circumstances was, around it were. 
circumstances were horrific because um, you know the fact that they would that that people would treat in different parts of the world the reality is that life is very cheap and um, you know somebody gives somebody money to do something and and suddenly uh, life is put at risk and uh, you know so my child was put in the hands of a responsible organization and yet she died on their watch because of um, irresponsibility and negligence and lack of attention to detail and care and safety. So there was anger. Um, there was anger with God. There was a feeling of what's going to happen to me because I knew that I was in deep trouble. I knew that this was beyond, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a strong guy and Right. Pretty constitutionally strong, but this—I knew this was going to be beyond me. This was there was nothing in my makeup, in my experience, in my background that could possibly prepare me for what I was going to be experiencing, and that I was going to need help. I wasn't the kind of person that was used to asking for help. I help other people, mm-hmm. and so uh, some of the most difficult of us who are experiencing loss. Um, those of us who are used to are very resourceful people who are used to being able to help ourselves out of anything and uh, used to be able to fix and figure out everything and this one you don't get to fix or figure out so um, we get to we get to stand in and somehow learn pain management 101 we get to like have that. our pain we, management 101 yeah okay. but it's but it's it's as one man. I, I met a man who had his leg amputated shortly after Jenna died, and he said, "Your pain is worse than mine. Yours is like having your heart amputated without an- anesthesia." Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "Your pain is 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 much worse than mine." And you know, we get to deal with a pain that's that's different than anything we've ever experienced, and it's a heart pain. And uh, the magnitude. But that is so true. A heart yeah. pain and a hole in your chest and mm-hmm. and sighing and you know it's incredibly physical. Yeah, and it's and that nobody can understand or very few people can understand the magnitude of the pain, how big it is because it's not just oh something bad happened. It's everything. It's it's our entire universe. It's the goodness of life that we feel. It's it's the future. It's what we feel is going to be generated long after we're gone. It's our kids. And all the millions of hours and moments we've spent with them, um, what we signed up for was a full and wonderful life. And now we're launched into, we're staring into the abyss and we're launched into this mystery of what happens now. How do we survive, number one, and where are our kids? Right. So give me pain management 101. Well, pain management 101 is that we begin, we have to become students of two things. Number one, we have to, whether we've ever learned to take care of ourselves and nurture ourselves and support ourselves and speak in gentle tones to ourselves, now we have to learn that. It's going to be part of our survival package. And number two... We have to learn self-compassion. We, some of us are very hard on ourselves, and this is a time where we need compassion 
from guess who? From ourselves. We can't beat ourselves up. We can't push ourselves around. We can't pressure and force ourselves. We can't criticize, condemn, and admonish ourselves. We need loving, gentle, patient support because we are in survival mode. The line between our own life and death is so thin that it's the equivalent of being on life support in the emergency room. And people can die of grief. I think we, you know, I think we do die a spiritual death. And I think the rest of us that's still walking around is wondering, you know, because we feel like we've died. We feel like, and, and truly our lives as we've known them are over. Absolutely. You know, and, and this new life and this new normal is, is here and it looks complete. We don't recognize it as our own life. It's like, where is the person that I was? Where is the man who loved life? Where is the man, you know, who looked forward to every day? Now he doesn't care. He, he just, he wants to die. He's not suicidal. I was never suicidal, but you know what? I didn't care if I died. Well, sometimes I wanted to join my brother. You want to join those to a certain extent. You don't want to die, but you just want to join them. Exactly. You don't. The separation is Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly painful, choicelessly painful. And then, of course, we have to deal with, you know, the insensitivity of of a grief illiterate world. You know, we don't live in a world that's grief literate. We live in a world where people just don't get it. They are looking to put a spin on what happened to us. They're going to put a spin on it, and they're going to take away our pain, or they're going to give us a belief so we don't have to feel what we're feeling. And they're going to interrupt us if they yep, can. Exactly, and they're going to they're going to give us the. You know, at the Jenna Druck Foundation, a Families Helping Families program, we have a, a wall where we keep the ten stupidest things that people have said to us. I and it's that. always changing, you know. It's <laughs> it's always changing because we always get new and improved ones. It's The things that people say expecting us to feel better are are phenomenal. It, it's just amazing. But, you know, the truth is that we also once we're amongst the ignorant and insensitive that, um, you know... Oh, I couldn't have been that insensitive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. You know, so, so I'm thinking and listening to this, first of all, you need to have self-compassion. You need to have good self-talk. And then I'm thinking from this third thing, we have to teach people how to treat us. Yep. We, every, uh, we have regular, you know, we have, for the last 12 and a half years, we've had any number of 10 support groups going at any given time. And one of the groups that we have is a group of family members, friends, acquaintances. We also have uh, workplace programs and school programs where we teach colleagues and and uh, classmates and so on, and teachers and employers, you know, what it means, the do's and don'ts of how to support somebody who is grieving. And, uh, you know, and we need to learn those things ourselves. I mean, the biggest, we had, we actually had a class after September 11th in New York, and it was on how to respond when somebody asks you, how you doing? Somebody oh, said, how like you doing? Good one. Yeah. How you doing? And, you know, what do you say? What do you say? Right. We all have our favorite response, but most of the time people think if they're newly bereaved, they think, 
oh, I've got to respond when people ask me how I am, when that's exactly the wrong thing to do. It's like, you know, you respond on your terms and your timetable and, you know, in the in the right and appropriate place, um, not casually. People, once people say, how you doing, they don't really mean how you They don't want to know how you're doing. They just are trying to express a nice, a social nicety that trying to tell you that you're in their thoughts and, and you don't have to respond. We're based in San Diego, but, you know, our outreach like yours is is uh, broad and far. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about all your programs? I know we are doing the family. You've got the Gina Druck Foundation, and family, which is part of what helping. The Gina help- Druck Foundation. Yeah, the Gina Druck Foundation is is an umbrella, and we have two major programs. When Jenna died, I I knew two things. I knew number one, she would want me to use what I what I knew and what I would be learning to help other families who have to go through this. And number two, Jenna loved being a woman, and so we created a young women's leadership program. And that's, so the Gender Drug Foundation is two major programs, and Families Helping Families is the one you know we're talking about today. And Families Helping Families has about seven components. We have a grief education series, which means those people who don't want to sit in the support group, but who would very much want to learn. We just had a program last night. We have uh, doctors coming in talking about uh, medications and nat- both natural nutrition and medications and ways we can support ourselves in acute grief. We have people coming in talking about how to keep your marriage healthy after the loss of a child. We have um, uh, uh, people coming in talking about traumatic loss and how to help ourselves through, you know, when we've experienced the traumatic and sudden loss, and so on and so forth. And we have, so we have a grief education program. Then we have support groups every week. We have moms groups, dads groups. We have, I think, the only running dads group in the United States, which is very, very sad. But it's a group where just the dads meet. We have a moms' night out, which is kind of a social networking, where all the moms go out and they do a, they do a walk on the bay and then a dinner and, and so on. And we have uh, all, all kinds of other specialized groups. For uh, we of course have a general group, and then we have our kids groups, which are arts based grief support groups. And uh, Dr. Lori Rappaport, who's who's one of the nation's top child bereavement specialists, is our staff psychologist, so she helps run those. So those are those are some of the programs. We also have workshops, and uh, we have a workshop by the same title as the, as this. Show, believe it or not, that. we've been doing that. <laughs> we have two workshops. One is called Healing Your Life After the Loss of a Child, and the other one is a day-long workshop called Healing the Grieving Heart, which is yoga and music and as well as deep process work. So we have... And, and Ken, aren't most of these workshops and groups free? All of them are. There's that's no, great. There's, there's that's no also free. your big event. I assume that's yeah. part of the way you fund it. Yep, our funding comes through. You know, we we those of us who work in the nonprofit world um, are always banging our heads against the wall because who wants to fund? Who wants to write a check? Let's write a check to Make a Wish. They're hopeful. There's a lot of hope there, you know, because um, they don't talk about the fact that you know a lot of those kids don't make it. But it's a hopeful organization. It's very difficult to fund bereavement. 
because and to tell people, wait a minute, you know, even though a child dies, there's a family that needs help. There's a family that has to figure out how to go on. There's a mom and a dad that have to get back to work and brothers and sisters who have to go back to school and their lives and don't they deserve support too? So we found a way to uh, raise funds for our programs and that's January 17th this year we have a program called amazingly called uh, Making 2009 Your Best Year Ever mm-hmm. and we have it's this is an annual benefit that we do it always has the theme best year ever even though many of our families are experiencing their worst year ever uh, and many of our friends who support our organization, internationally known speakers and entertainers, come and donate their performances. The San Diego Sports Arena donates itself because we, uh, the person who owns it is someone who is a bereaved parent who we helped. And so the whole community comes together and we have this wonderful day, as we will January 17th. And uh, people buy tickets and... All those tickets together, that's about 11,000 tickets, are uh, provide most of the funding and support for our programs for the whole year. Oh, that's great. And if you go on his website... You can uh, go on jennadruck.org. You www. will see, uh, there's a video. Yep. And you can also go on to the website, um, www.yourbestyearever.org. So you can go onto our website, jennadruck.org, or yourbestyearever.org, and you can buy tickets, and you can find out um, all about our programs and our news. Now, what do you do internationally? Do you do you give speeches or something if if people would want you to come in and do something for them, and they're not yeah. in the San Diego area? Yes, we've done programs. We have families that come in from all over the world for our workshops, and uh, and and we also do workshops in different parts of the world. And uh, you know, if if a group in a different, we also do training programs.